Welcome to the Celebration Community Church Podcast, where we exist to meet God, grow in Him, and serve through Him. Welcome to the Celebration Community Church Podcast. We are so lucky and blessed to have, hailing all the way from Santa Fe Drive, Colorado, (laughs) the one, the only, Annika Carter. Nailed it. No flaws in that entire sentence whatsoever. (laughs) Much to Annika's chagrin. I like to mispronounce her name, which is like the typical cliche thing. You and everyone to, else, so know, it's okay. <laughs> what is the worst pronunciation that you've ever... Anika. Anika is the worst. Anika. I really, I don't mind Annika because I get it. Logically, uh-huh. I get sure. it. But Anika's just weird. Like, it doesn't even sound right. And so then I just kind of a little bit get offended because I'm like, that's a weird name. <laughs> yeah. Like, An- why? Anika. Yeah. That is... If, if I ever read A-N-N. Yeah. I-K-A. I would go for Anne, but right. not the Ika part of yeah, that. Yeah, the Ika is what's so, weird. <laughs> very, very strange. Well, Annika, welcome to our podcast. We are very grateful to have you. And we're also going to give a quick plug that you are the assistant director of Encounter. I don't know if that's a formal title, but it sounds, it sounds pretty good. sounds great. I'll so, take that. And you also are one of the co-hosts of the Encounter YA podcast, which is something that we certainly wholeheartedly endorse, except yep. for when I'm on it and then No, actually, it's even better then. Oh, so. well, <laughs> thank you. That's You're kind. welcome. I, I, she wants to come back. She wants to be on another episode. Yeah, that's right. That's Actually, right. I want Nathan to come back to us too. So it's like a double whammy. So here's what we want to do. We just want to hear your story. We we know that one of the most compelling things and the Bible itself is a unified story that talks about what God is doing and how he interacts with the world. God interacts in our lives as well, and we just want to hear how God has been in your life. So let's start all the way back at the beginning. Yeah, what birth. was your faith experience at, right after <laughs> at you were right born? At birth. Yeah. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah, so not quite at birth, but sure, sure. what was your faith experience in your adolescent years? Mm-hmm. And then how does that experience play into how you experience faith now? Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian household. My dad and mom were youth pastors for 15 years when I was growing up. Um, And so I grew up in church. I grew up in ministry, which I think are, you know, two distinct different um, environments to grow up in. And so I grew up um, definitely uh, around a lot of kids and youth that I aspired to be like and people that I felt influenced me even when um, I was quite young and really didn't know, you know, that they were. <laughs> and so um, that's kind of the environment that I grew up in. Uh, later on, my dad switched occupations and um, he actually became a Christian counselor and my mom um, continued to climb the ladder in her insurance company. And so we switched away from being really ministry involved and switched more to um what I like to consider like consumer church. (laughs) I don't know. And um, we switched kind of gears into that. And so for a lot of my like middle and high school years, we were really in that consumer realm. Mm. And um, I think that that definitely shaped the way that my faith grew compared to like my older siblings who spent a lot more time in the ministry side of faith. And um, each of them, I have seen that 
play out in their lives different than it played out in mine just because I was younger that um, I kind of was more familiar with and more comfortable with consumer church. Um, And I definitely was um, less um, enticed to stick around (laughs) Mm -hmm. than my siblings were because it was just kind of something that I did. And um, God was someone that like, I loved, but didn't really, um, I didn't center myself around him, um, throughout middle school and high school. And so I, um, I actually kind of call it my like, uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll phase because, um, I have said that to my life group before as like, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to tell me you're struggling with, like, I get it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, let's just talk about it all because that was kind of my phase where like, I didn't really care to, um, center my life around Christ because it wasn't his affection and his love that I yearned for. Mm. It was really the world around me. And so that's kind of like how that has changed me now is that man, um, (laughs) that all was very short lived. Um, and it just ended up being, um, when it came down to it, it was just like, God was just pulling me towards more and that that um, longing in my spirit from things that I had forgotten I had been around from being young and in ministry. Um, I kind of forgot that that had affected me the way that it did until I had came to college and really started kind of experiencing church again and ministry again. And ministry is actually, I feel like what God used to call me back was because it wasn't even so much that I really like, I did miss having you know, my faith and, and church on the weekends and community like that. But really like the ministry is what I really missed. And I missed that community that comes with serving along others. Mm. And so, um, that's kind of how God used what I grew up in and what I even really didn't even realize was so pertinent in my life until later on when I'm like looking back at my entire life and, um, that, that experiences that I've had when I was young and not even noticing really brought me back to him in the end and encouraged me to give up things that I thought were fulfilling for something that I still found fulfilling when it was 15 years later. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how, how God, um, has shaped me throughout my like life of faith, I guess. Yeah. So no, that's, re- that's really important. And it sounds like there was such a pivotal shift mm-hmm. in the way that you experience church at a really, really important time developmentally. So right. if you could just kind of today summarize the difference that you think between ministry-based church mm-hmm. and consumer church, as you put it, how would you describe that difference? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's difficult just because it's so personal. Um, and so the, for me, I feel like ministry church looked a lot more like I was actually invested in the people I was sitting next to. Mm-hmm. What To whatever capacity that is for you, great. Then that's your ministry church. But um, for me, that ended up meaning working at a church. But for others, it may not. And But it went from consumer churches to like I was here um, for me and really as a checklist, um, more than it was, I was there and I cared about those who were there with me that I cared about, you know, worshiping with and growing with and communing with those around me, which is, I feel a lot more of a ministry because you're actually ministering to one another. So not that you're employed or whatever, what have you, but you're actually just, um, ministering, uh, both to others and being ministered to 
by those around you instead of just consuming what is happening around you as like a check that off my list for the week. The, the irony of us talking about it, all three of us are vocational. Right. And, and we're always like, you know, ministry isn't necessarily vocational. Right. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I feel that cognitive dissonance in saying that my experience is working mm-hmm. in a ministerial context while telling other people, oh, ministry right. is not necessarily a vocational thing or a, a work-related thing, right? right? So was there a point where that shifted before you started working at the Mm -hmm. church where you were like, I'm invested in ministry church without being employed by the church? And if so, what was that big shift? And how did that kind of pull you back into what you found more meaningful? Yeah. Um, It was actually through our serve team. And I just, my brother and sister were um, both involved in Encounter for a long time. And I started to just um, attend Encounter on a regular basis and I was like, I want more. And I feel like a lot of times we think more is like more time consuming, but really what made that more switch for me was more giving. And so that switch to starting to be on surf team and stuff and and just spending more time with those who were um, pursuing the same thing as me, um, who, you know, were experiencing similar uh, things, being at college, being a young adult, um, all struggling with, you know, grappling their own faith. You know, it's like that that community that you find that was really, um, it was like I wanted more and the more just happened to come from serving. And I think that a lot of times we don't think that the more is going to come from serving, yeah. but it grows you faith-wise so much more than I think we would ever imagine. Right. How long did it take you coming to encounter before you decided you wanted to get more involved like that? Not very long. That's actually. what I assumed. That's yeah. what I assumed. Yeah. I, I I actually I think it was only only a semester. Yeah. So maybe a year. <laughs> I asked that question because as as we sat together in in staff meetings more and more, yeah. I realized that you and I are very alike in terms really? of how we handle things and do things. Um, because I'm very similar. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you talk about your, your sex, drugs, and rock and roll mm-hmm. phase because you gave 110% to what you <laughs> right. wanted, right? What you were right. passionate about doing there. Yeah. When that changed, it wasn't enough for you to just sit there and come to church. You needed right. to get involved. And right. I think, you know, going back to what you said, Nathan, of all three of us being in vocational ministry now, but I think the reason that we talk about ministry the way we do is all three of us started in a volunteer right. part, whether that yeah. was when the college ministry, worship ministry, multiple ministries, whatever it was. Um, it didn't, it didn't start as, Hey, I'm going to get involved with the church now when you have a job for me. <laughs> like, right. you know, right. it all starts with, with service. And so I assumed your answer is going to be, it yeah. didn't take long because yeah. you, you, I can't just sit there and say right. that something's important to me and not be actively involved in right, it. Right. And and I sense that in you as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, interesting too, because I am very much that way. And so in the in-between of like my um, previous passions and ways mm-hmm. to my God-driven ways, it like absolutely obliterated me to be like Yeah, that's the hardest part. Yep. It was so difficult because I like it just wrecked how I naturally operate. So it was so difficult to try and like reckon these two sides of me and reconcile those two. And they just don't because one was not centered around God. And so it just like, once I like made that cut off, I was like, hands up. (laughs) Cause I was just like, everything's gone now. Like I'm just totally in it to win it now. Like it's gone. 
So. I read in a book once, I can't remember where, and it said it's far better to give than receive. So mm-hmm. I feel like that encapsulates yeah. some of what you were talking about. Yeah, that's um, good. You just talked about your hands up, let's go experience. Mm-hmm. And we we kind of jumped the gun because I was so interested in your your discussion of what the consumer-based <laughs> church was versus the ministry-focused mm-hmm. church. Um, but you come to college, obviously, at the Fort Hayes State University, right? right? You're Absolutely. on the dance team. Um, t- what got you involved in Encounter, and what precipitated that hands-up, let's go, my my conscience is clear, and Jesus is at the center kind mm-hmm. of, of commitment from you? So, um, relationship. <laughs> um I had been uh, in a relationship with this uh, guy for uh, four and a half years by the time we ended up breaking up. And so we were together from, I mean, we were long distance when I lived in Missouri. And then um, when I moved back to Denver, we were together. And then we were long distance when I moved to college. And we had just been together for a long time. And as I was coming to encounter my freshman year, the more and more I attended, the more and more my heart yearned, the more and more the spirit was calling me and the more and more it was just like undeniable. And, um, that the hands up came from, I just, the more I tried to converse with him about it, he just was on a different spiritual path than me. Him being your boyfriend. Him being my boyfriend. Yeah. Um, he was just on a different path than me. And I, I tried so hard to make that work and for our paths to line and to mesh them together because I wanted that so bad and it just didn't and didn't and didn't. And the more I pushed, the more it, um, became apparent that it would end up hurting him. Um, and so the more and more I submitted these areas of my life to God and the more successful those areas became, then the more apparent it was that that area of my life was completely untouched by God in his hand. And so, um, that kind of all stemmed into all of a sudden it was just like, okay, this is like the last area and it's a big area <laughs> that I'm not willing to give. And um, so I fought and I fought and I fought. I probably knew for probably like seven months before we ended up breaking up that I was like needing to do this. And I was just like digging in my heels, like, please no. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, finally it was just like one of those moments where it just kind of broke. It just... I mean, even from a worldly perspective, our relationship just broke um, and it just kind of broke down on itself. And so at that point, I just kind of was like, all right, God, like clearly I didn't get what I was like wanting out of this. Um, But everything else has just been so much better that I'm fine with that. And so um, I just that was my hands up. And I just remember like crying, crying, crying (laughs) and just being Mm -hmm. repeatedly very intentional. I told myself, I was like, you're not going to let this pass you by. You're going to take it. And so I remember being like, okay, every single day I I sat down and I cried. I listened to worship music and I prayed about it Mm -hmm. because I was like, I'm just going to give this to God every single day until I realize what he had from it. And so um, that's just that in turn set off this chain reaction in my life of like all of a sudden every part of me was submitted to God and it was no longer this duality and that tension that I was feeling. And so, um, that really was like what led to that moment. I think that answers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So it was a lot, but I mean, that's like condensing, you know, but I mean, that was really, um, it was really that, and I was actually on Easter. So wouldn't you know it? 
Um, <laughs> the Lord was like, I have something extra for you today. Congratulations. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was just that kind of happened. And it, then it just became easier and easier to submit because it was truer and truer that there was good that came from it. sounds to me that that was a part of the feeling mm-hmm. that you had Absolutely. but it was almost like this idea of like the surrender being the peaceful part rather right. than the outcome Absolutely. being the the peaceful part and so often i think that in a lot of ways we think of that peace as transactional rather than transformative and i think that this is a really good metaphor analogy experience that Mm -hmm. kind of helps us to remember that the peace is in remembering that God knows us and he loves us and his plan is better far more than like the outcome that you could see immediately because to sever a significant relationship regardless of its history is Mm -hmm. always hard and painful Mm -hmm. but that's I mean that's that's really good to hear that that you were just like now I'm free to be able to invest wholeheartedly yeah. in God, and you feel like that that was redeemed, and that yeah. and that you were like aligned. Absolutely. I, I like I yeah. like to hear that. It really was. Yeah. So how did the experience mm-hmm. play into this? so you've you, you've kind of made this all in for Jesus, mm-hmm. and then you you go out on the experience. Talk mm-hmm. about that, and and what was it like, and and how did it shape you into the mm-hmm. the minister that you are now? Yeah, like the actual experience, right? Yes. Like this one. Okay, yes. I just wanted the to make experience. sure. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's such a common. It's like encounter. Yeah. It's like yes. I hate that. Anyways, okay, I'll actually answer you now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did a discipleship training program mm-hmm. that's uh, 58 or 52 something like that days, um, and it's in Denver, Colorado, and I. My sister had actually done it uh, two years before I did, and I she came back and she just like wouldn't stop talking about it, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this must like really be cool if she like my sister's not super talkative. I talk a lot. My sister's a lot more low key and just like chills, um, and so I was like, okay, if Emily like won't stop talking about it, it must have been a really great experience for her, um, and so I. I didn't really think I was going to do it. And then all of a sudden, um, we actually had one of the speakers that they have out for encounter. And I was chatting with him after encounter. And he was like, Annika, have you thought about doing the experience? Um, And I was like, you know, I've really thought about it. But, you know, that was like my sister's thing. And like, I'm also the youngest. So I have this like constant battle with like, I can't do what my siblings did. (laughs) And so um, all that. And I was like, just kind of dismissive about it. Um, and then we went over to Garrett's house, um, for dinner that night and we were just talking myself and, and my best friend, Jesse and Foster, the speaker just said, I really think you guys should just think about it. He goes, that's all I really want to say. And I was like, well, that's not good because I feel like usually when it's the less they want to say, it's like the more pertinent it is. It's just like, I know that I don't really need to tell you much for you to know that this is probably what you should do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. So um, I ended up going out uh, that summer and 
It was, um, I had just gotten into a new relationship and three, four months after that, um, I, I was like angry that God wanted me to go because I, it was, you know, 58 days of not talking, 58 days of, uh, personal training that feels like it's like three years worth of time. And I was so frustrated because I was like, really? Like I just got into this new relationship and then you want me to just like leave and like abandon him basically. Cause yep. there's like no phones and all that kind of jazz. And so I was like, what am I going to do? You know? And, um, I remember Jake just sat me down and he was like, you know, you really just need to go. He's like, I don't really know why we're having this conversation. Like what is happening, you know? And so I realized it was kind of that other, like that submission piece coming up again of like, if I give this to God, that means he's going to take it. Um, and so one piece of work that God did through the experience was like, just because I submit it to him doesn't mean he's going to take it from me. And so that kind of rewired throughout the experience, you know, my, the way that I treat my relationship. And, um, that has definitely been formative between the two of us. And so on a more personal level, um, it was started off with two weeks of rigorous class time. (laughs) It's like hours upon hours of sitting in a classroom and you're just getting like dumped on with these big theological concepts. And like, you're just sitting there like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. Ew. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you would hate that, Nathan. (laughs) And, um, everyone else like Loki hated it and I loved it. I just, I, because I grew up ministry and then consumer church and then try back at ministry, I was like, so excited because it was a bunch of stuff that I had known and experienced around me my entire life, but never had the real words for. Mm. It was things that I knew to be true in my heart and knew to be true in my spirit and knew to be true in church and had never really learned about it. Mm. And so I got to sit there and like, I just felt affirmed for two weeks straight while everyone else felt like ridiculed. (laughs) And I was like, this is great. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, and, and the actual, the director actually came up to me one time. It was like, I know you're not learning anything. And he goes, but this is really like going to come in handy for you, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, this is great. Like, this is fantastic. And so it was just a really great experience, um, because they do a fantastic job of not just focusing on do this. If you want to be a missionary, do this if you want to uh, be an international missionary, if you want to work in churches. Because at that time, I was like, no, I don't want to work for a church. And so um, it was a, they do a fantastic job at just bringing people in and teaching them how to live on mission, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And they just do a fantastic job. And I left there like a total launching pad of just like, okay, so no matter what I end up doing, no matter what I end up doing as my occupation or to fill my days with, I know that my purpose and the reason for whatever I'm doing is not for anything here. And I just became very um, confident in and affirmed in the fact that no matter what I chose, my reason was always the same. And so um, that's that's kind of how the experience really changed me. And I actually left there super confident that I was not going to work for a church. Um, (laughs) not any more confident that I was actually going to do anything else, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And then from there, I just kind of ended up meeting with Garrett more and more. And, um, I remember one time telling him, I was like, you know, after I graduate, like, I'm going to actually figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And like, I'm done, like serving. I'm like, I need to focus. And like, I feel like this has been a distraction. (laughs) 
And Garrett goes, okay. And then like two months later, he was like, do you want to work <laughs> for me? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I do actually. Thanks. I'll take that job. <laughs> awesome. yeah. I remember there being here. I should say that into the microphone. I remember there being a very long period of time that you felt that uneasiness of what yes. am I going to do for the rest of my life. And I feel like that is such a hard question mm -hmm. that every single young adult kind of approaches at some point in their life. I still feel like I'm approaching that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with my entire life? Um, but for now, mm -hmm. you've found peace and comfort in the college ministry. Yeah. Is that a difficult place to be? Is that a fun place to be? How do you feel about college ministry? Um. I love it so far. Love it. Um, mm -hmm. I actually taught dance for a while and, um, <laughs> I always like complained when I ha I got stuck with younger kids. I always wanted to work. Like I have to work with at least high schoolers. And so working <laughs> with young adults is like great. You know, yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> I've done it a lot. So it's not like I can't do it. I can exercise my peace muscle and like work on it. But I, I just <laughs> personally, like I love, um, the tug and pull between um, things that are really difficult and hard conversations and love. And I just like, it's hard for me to um, dismantle one from the other. And it's just like who I am as a person. Like I'm super, I love um, both really difficult conversations and um, vulnerability and then the love that meets you thereafter. And so um, I love young adults because they want that a lot more than like younger, you know, especially like you can't really do that. Like in kids ministry, it's like a little more difficult, right. like during Bible school on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as you know, it's just developmentally inappropriate, right? right? Absolutely. Like the, the whole beauty of, of the young adult ministry is the marriage of like moral responsibility right. with the competency to figure that out and yes. and that i'm saying that in no sort of shade no huh. in any way like yeah, I, I taught middle schoolers middle schoolers are not morally responsible for their right. actions because they're so motivated by like pressure to fit in right and hormones right like yeah. yes and kid there's could like throw so something across there, my classroom but... i could say what are you doing and he but i don't know <laughs> and that's totally legitimate yes i think that some college People can. Yes. I in college could still be like, uh, I, don't I don't know. But uh, for for most of them, they're starting to develop that and and kind right. of to to figure out those bigger questions yeah. of like, what do I want my life to symbolize? Right. And they've witnessed the that too. Like they've witnessed around them the tension yeah. and like the, it's it's no longer really viable to ignore. Mm -hmm. And so I I love that. I love meeting people in that because like that's where. Personally, I find that very satisfying um, to meet people in that area. And so I've found a lot of satisfaction from young adult ministry because of that and because I really love that area. And what I do kind of like scratches both my itch of creativity and more biblical study. It does kind of like an all around with everything that I do. And so it's like that's perfect for me. It allows me to be creative and be innovative, but it also scratches like my business itch and I get to work with people and consult and plan and event plan. And then I also get to do personal coffee ministry where I just sit with people and meet them in the tension. Yeah. It's like, well, bam, what else, you know, can you do that does all of that? Yeah. I know. 
the the flexibility of the ministerial position yes. is very fun. Yeah, and you kind of get to try your hand at a lot of things. I like to think that I'm like a seven of clubs of all trades, but a master of none. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> definitely not even to the jack status. No, no, no royal cards for me. Um, can you tell us like one of your favorite stories that has come from your uh, ministry in encounter? Yeah. So. I was really thinking about this and I just, it's hard because I just don't know. There's too many, but, um, maybe not your favorite, but just a memory that encourages you and gives you hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the like most recent ones I would say that was really encouraging is just, I feel like lately I've been able to witness a lot of fruit and that's something that I, it's, I've been in ministry for exactly almost a year just over, Um, and so, so far, I really feel like I haven't gotten to see that because it's just, that's not how it works. (laughs) And so, um, I just have lately been feeling very fortunate to be able to witness fruit. And even though it's not necessarily maybe, um, the fullness of it, it, just getting like those glimpses of it is super encouraging. So even just like a couple weeks ago, um, one of the girls who, uh, attends my life group, she, um, or attended my life group messaged me and she was like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, you've been, um, a huge impact on my walk with God. And she's like, I'm just really appreciative of like everything you've done. And like, even though I like, don't see you as much anymore, like it's still something that resonates with me. And I think about that a lot. And so, um, getting to witness that growth and like, all I got to see was really the thank you, Mm -hmm. which is not always the case, but even though that was all that I really got to witness, um, it's kind of like this marking post of growth that's happened in her life. And so I don't always get to see, you know, I'm not inside people's brains and I feel like your your, your brain and your heart is where a lot of that growth happens. And so it's not always um, apparent and visually apparent to see the growth that people are going through. But when it's, you know, been a year later and I get a message of like, you know, this is really what you've taught me in that time really has um, began to be apparent in my life. That's super um, encouraging. And it's something that I feel like um, is really special to ministry is like you're playing the long game with a bunch of people. And I love the long game (laughs) and I love um, not always. Some days I really, the long game's hard, (laughs) (laughs) but um conceptually, I really love the long game and I love being able to watch, um, people that I've had in my life group for multiple years. And now I'm getting to witness them, um, start to testify to others and all this kind of stuff. That's just really, um, impactful to me. I think that that's one of the hardest and sweetest parts of ministry is that like, you don't always get to see the fruit of, of the labor in yeah. essence of, of being able to see the impact that what you're doing is, whether that's you're on the platform speaking and giving a lesson or that's right. planning an event behind the scenes. Right. You don't always get to see the fruit that comes from that. But when you get mm-hmm. that message a year later that says, Hey, this was really impactful right. for me or in passing, somebody says something of like, I remember when you were given that, that message and that really stuck out to me. Like really? Cause yeah, I, I walked off the platform yeah, that day feeling awful cause I thought I sucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I think that, um, you know, I think that, I think there's a couple lessons in that. Yeah. One, we all need to do a whole lot better about encouraging each other <laughs> right. and telling each other when we're impacted by each other. And I'm not yeah. just saying that because, hey, you need to tell your pastors and your staff, right. but, but, anyone. but anybody who impacts you, mm-hmm. like 
why why would we not share that and 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 I'm as guilty as anybody but but it's always something that I think you know we don't always share when someone does something that that impacts us and, and I think and I think we should yeah. but then also to understand for for us when we're doing something whether we're in ministry vocationally or just trying to be a light in our, our workplace throughout the day that things are going on that we we don't know you know we right. we've we've talked in past episodes of you know we plant the seeds. God's the one who's responsible for growing right. them, and, and and so is it worth planting the seed if we don't ever get to see it come to fruition? Mm-hmm. And and the answer is yes. Right. But it doesn't mean it's easy. Right. Right. Absolutely. Some of those special moments that help you get through the more difficult moments are remembering back to the evidences of right. where your work is not in vain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a folder in my in my inbox that is labeled encouragement. And for days when I'm just feeling like what I'm doing means nothing, I will go read through a couple of those emails that I've got from people that, I mean, some of them from 10 years ago when I was a youth pastor and it's a parent who's emailing me about their kid came home and talked to them about what happened at CrossCurrent. Right. I'm like, okay, 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 it's worth it. It's worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. Like, and, and, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's those, those moments that we need to hold on to, uh, to be able to look back on and, and, and encourage ourselves sometimes. Yeah, I agree. What is the most difficult thing about college ministry? Um, other than working for Garrett. Yeah. Lots of given. <laughs> um, Garrett, we love you. Yeah, Please continue yeah, to be sorry. one of the three listeners of this podcast. <laughs> oh, I just really ruined our listeners. Just days. kidding. There's more than three. There's five. <laughs> um, I would say, like, this is both logistically and uh, spiritually, is it's a revolving door. Yeah. And that is hard. Um, it's hard to feel like there's not enough not feel like there's not enough time. Um, like I was saying, like, it's like sometimes it takes like a whole year to really, um, acknowledge and see the growth in yourself and, and be able to convey that and all that. And so a lot of times that results in, uh, students who come in as juniors or seniors and you just feel like there's not enough time. And even if they come in as freshmen, it's, hard to feel like there's enough time between freshman year and when they graduate and you you want them to feel like a, a certain level of preparedness you want them to feel like they have learned enough from your ministry that they are wise and devout christians you know like you want to feel like that um and so i think the revolving door both logistically also is difficult because you're constantly seeking out and training new individuals to be leaders um, and so that's difficult, but then also just from a personal um, baggage or weight standpoint of not carrying the fact that you feel like you have to reach a certain level with every individual before you, they graduate and before you send them out. Um, that has been hard for me because I feel like I want people to um, just feel uh, encouraged by the time they leave and not scared. And I know it's really difficult for a lot of young adults, especially once they've really found home and celebra- celebration to then go out and find a new church. And I want them to be actually excited and, and feel like they're prepared to go out and find a new church home. Um, whereas I feel like a lot of times it's, it, it's intimidating that it's not enough time to get them to the level that, um, they would feel that way. And so that in turn then plays into like, you know, I 
I have to be cautious of the fact that like it's that's not my job. Yeah. It's not my job to make them a certain level of preparedness, you know, and that that's really the work of God. And if um, if they seek him, they'll find better than what I can offer. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a heavy burden as well yeah. to constantly be concerned about the future of so many others. But, you know, I, I, I suppose the encouragement is that as we can be faithful today mm-hmm. and hope that in time. That, that God is who he says he is and right. he's beginning a good work in us and we'll exactly. see it out to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that is fairly popular with our generation is the idea of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of taking a, a doctrine or a belief or some, something like that and, and picking it apart um, to, to see why it's still used mm-hmm. i suppose or and if it's not something and typically it's used as a critique right mm-hmm. um do you have a lot of experience with this in the college ministry do you have experience with this personally mm-hmm. and what do you do you find any value in deconstruction and if, if so is there and if not what's a better alternative mm-hmm. um so i would say minimally i wouldn't say maybe to an extreme, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say most commonly, it's actually, in my experience, it would be a more subtle and um, almost uh, almost passable version of deconstructing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like most young adults experience this in a fashion that isn't like, sometimes it is, total rebellion and like total just throw everything out the window and like screw it all kind of moment. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's actually most commonly in these subtle moments where like you're just not really sure what you believe anymore, which, you know, not necessarily that that ends up always resulting in deconstruction. But I think that that is often a very common root of it is that um, people, especially young adults who grow up in a Christian home, I feel like is personally I've witnessed the most common and maybe that's just our location and things like that that have a lot to do with that. But a lot of them that grow up in a Christian home have a hard time um, when all of a sudden you're met with a bunch of other viewpoints from Christians. Mm-hmm. That's hard, mm-hmm. and that can often result in a deconstruction because um, I've seen it be basically um, used as 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 a argument against the validity of of the Bible, the validity of any argument that stems from the Bible too. And it it can be used, um, to really make kids question, you know, if, if I believe it is this way and they believe it is this way. And I am evaluating each of these, like, how can they both come from the same word? How can they both come from the same God and it still be valid? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think something that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this question is, how much this points to the the importance of the home and how much I feel like your guys' listening and audience is quite different than ours. Right. And so for us, we usually focus on what do you do when you feel that way? And I feel like for your guys' audience, it's more of a question of what do you do when perhaps your kids or those you know go through something yeah. that's similar. Um, and I feel like that's an, that's an encouragement to those of you who, who care for your home and who care for your children. Because this is a really um, 
a testament to not that I'm saying, you know, you need to lay out theological disagreements for your children um, and and prepare them to debate widely. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I am saying that um, just the conversation and the environment around um, it's okay that Christians have different viewpoints mm-hmm. and it's okay that there are multiple ways of looking at it um, and, and stressing the importance of the gospel instead of the importance of the other. Um, and so that's one thing that I think um, I, that was one way, I guess, that I've seen deconstruction occur is it's often around this struggle between like, this isn't what I was always taught um, or that, or that um, what they taught, feels like it's not enough. Yeah. Um, and so that results in this kind of rebellion. Um, and the other point that I wanted to say about it is that I think it's, um, to a degree, it's okay. Um, you know, you asked if it's valid um, or valuable. Um, I would say to a degree, you know. Um, yes, in the fact that um, I know people, even I was just talking to a friend a couple weeks ago about um, – he has always grown up in faith and he's like, I just have been questioning, like, not if God is real, not if, you know, it's not like he's having trouble with belief, but it's like, it's this deconstruction of arguments and, and viewpoints that he's always heard narrated throughout his life. And he's like, I'm struggling with like, how do I walk through that and think through that and then think through the opposite and come out with my faith, you know? And so, um, that is the other thing is, is encouraging you if you are thinking and having these, um, this bigger pull to basically evaluate a viewpoint that it's not bad. It's okay to wrestle with God and it's okay to wrestle with a concept. Um, but you know, there's always also that balance too of who are you taking in with you to do that? I think without bringing others in is where deconstruction gets really dangerous. Um, Personally, I would say that's kind of um, that line that you can you can evaluate within yourself is, okay, who am I asking to help walk me alongside when I'm evaluating this this um, concept or this viewpoint? And so that way you're not going out out into the weeds and down this bunny path where you're no longer um, you're kind of stuck in the echo chamber of your own head. Um, And so bringing others in who you feel comfortable questioning that's important because if, if not, then you're really just questioning yourself and like you get in that, um, headspace. And so bringing others into that is actually one of the best things that you could probably do in order to, to deepen your faith and that God is going to redeem and use whatever you're struggling with to, um, instead pull you closer. Um, otherwise I think it can teeter on the edge of, um, something that could end up being, detrimental or dangerous, I guess. I think that we take a term like deconstruction and we automatically go to like the extreme of everybody like leaving the faith type thing, which is that 
accurate in our world today. Absolutely, it right. is. There's there's a reality that that's yeah, happening. There's the exodus of the church. That's <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very real. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, I, I, it's not all bad. It's right. it's another term for what we tell people to do of own your faith. Exactly. Right. Your your right. faith is not the faith of your parents who mm-hmm. who have their experiences in ministry and out of ministry, or even your older siblings. Mm-hmm. Your experience is your experience, and if you don't understand why you believe what you believe. Then it's not your faith. It's right. living out the faith of of someone else or someone before you. It I I'm the experience sounds to me like maybe that was part of that process yes, for you. Absolutely. Those two weeks of heavy where everyone else was kind of like that was the timing for you that was really yes. good in kind of where you were at in your walk of kind of coming back to faith and now realizing like okay here's all these things that I've kind of subconsciously known all along right. and now I can kind of develop for myself. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that is. And I think that it's important to like think of the questions that may seem uh, minute to us as like, especially as people in ministry, like I have had multiple girls in my life group be like just asking questions as to why is there so many translations? Mm. Things like that. I think we underestimate as to how, how little of an idea and concept that is, right? But how impactful that can be on people's faith and how impactful that can turn into this big deconstruction. And so it's so important to just be okay with the fact that like you need to convey those things to to your children, to your loved ones of like as they come with questions, be willing to answer those wholeheartedly and not shrug it off. Yeah. Because that can really s- snowball into a very, you know, not that everything, I'm not trying to say that, but yeah, it can right. end up um, really resting on their hearts. God's, you, o- God's okay with our questions. Yeah. You had so many, like, good points that yeah. I just want to riff on for, like, a couple of it. seconds. I'm so glad that you brought up from the person who is with young adults some advice for people, like, sending yeah. their kiddos up. Mm-hmm. and. One of the fundamental things is like to walk through questions with your kids. Yes. I feel like. And that doesn't necessarily mean arriving at an answer. JW Mm -hmm. listens to all of the podcasts and he he will probably listen to this one. Mm -hmm. And I try my absolute best to never like give him, hey, this is the right answer. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead to have him walk through, okay, why why do you think that? What would this potential challenge, how would that reconcile right. with what you, you think about this? And I think that equipping our kids with the language to kind of reach their own conclusion yes. while loosely holding on to that yes. in humility and not it, not out of like like wondering whether it, it, something is true or not, right. you know, it, assurance is a little bit different than prideful confidence or yes. arrogance to me. Um, you know, I have assurance of my faith, but I, I I hold very loosely to the things that I profess because in five years my faith might look entirely Absolutely. different, and maybe it will be better because it looks different, right? Um, you also mentioned the the idea of deconstruction within the community, and one of my experiences is church was never a safe place to ask questions mm-hmm. because it was a place for easy, um, oversimplified answers. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have, we've, I think that either Garrett was talking about it last night or something like that. I have swung the pendulum Mm -hmm. to the extent that I don't ever give a simple answer, which (laughs) is probably much to the chagrin of most people that listen to me. (laughs) And I totally get that. But like, I, 
I was so exhausted by that experience right. that I wanted the nuance, that I wanted to sit in that feeling of like, well, here are several different ways to answer this. It's not just a monolithic answer right. to a question yes. of faith that you you have to ascribe to, otherwise you're you're outside of the realm of truth or something like right. that, yeah. which, which is really good. And just the final thing, which I, I just wanted to add a word that you guys were already talking about is just the the reconstruction thereafter. Yes. You know, the whole point of deconstruction in, in its value is to take apart false beliefs mm-hmm. and to bring correct ones back in. So I have, you know... Personally, I've experienced those times where I had to rebuild something stronger, where there was something either external or internal that came through and just totally knocked out my house of cards that I had. Mm -hmm. And I needed to find better building materials, right? And thank thank God that he is tolerant enough with me to walk through that with me um, and and to lead me in that path. And, And hopefully, you know, I think that that doubt that I have wrestled with in my life is a place that I have been given an invitation to meet with God. Yes. And yeah. if deconstruction is for that purpose, then wholeheartedly. Yes. If deconstruction is to be cynical, then right. um, that's really easy. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly see the allure of that some, yes. some days, but being cynical has not added any minutes to my life, yeah. honestly. So I think that's that's kind of where I end up with that. Yeah. Um, any any other final thoughts about just like where to go with deconstruction or any other advice for parents, grandparents, um, teachers? That- um, I would say um, just something that I was thinking about is like I think that that feels very overwhelming. That feels like a I mean you know feels like a large burden on someone who's a spiritual leader, whether that be you know in the fashion of of ministry or in the fashion of the ministry of your home, um, but. I think that that is just, sometimes I think our society just frankly is very um, underselling of the ministry of home and not just society, but Christian community can be very underselling of what home can do. Um, And so although that feels like a large burden, the other token is that like your purpose and like your direction with, with your willingness to look at this and like, this may be a really large challenge to your own faith in order to pursue deconstructing concepts in mm-hmm. order so that you have a better perspective to then lead others. And, and in fact, those you really dearly care for. Um, and so although that can seem very large and like a very difficult charge, it's also one that like I personally in my own family and in the lives of others have seen the great redemption that God can do through family and home. And so although it's a very large burden, it's also, I think, one of the greatest glories that God's given us. And so um, if that seems like it's far too much, (laughs) maybe that's encouraging then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It may be hard, but we don't walk alone, which is a good assurance. Yeah. Um, Final question for you, and I may be a little bit dated in this question, so forgive me (laughs) if I am. Am I correct in that you raise your own funds for ministry? I do. Talk about how that makes you feel and what what yeah. that's like. Yeah, uh, it's it's difficult. Yeah. Um, I know I've shared with staff before that um, it's it's one of those things that I think keeps you very grounded in ministry <laughs> because um, 
it's definitely something that you're just constantly releasing to God, like month after month, week to week. And um, it's something that you're just constantly having to to trust wholeheartedly that God really does have you in a way that I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to oversell it like it's some like, you know, miraculous achievement, but it is also something that I'm not sure is quite comparable to much else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to be honest, it's kind of a unique path to walk um, is especially on um, a more domestic side of fundraising for a living. Um, And so uh, it's definitely been something that God has challenged me with. And even Garrett always tells me, he's like, if you need to just get a part-time job and like, you know, you do ministry part-time and you do that part-time, then so be it. Like we will make it work. And every time (laughs) I bring that to the Lord, he's just gives me this red light. And he's like, no. And, um, it has been difficult and frustrating to be frank because I'm like, but it makes so much more logical sense. Like it really doesn't make much logical sense for me to live off of funds, especially where like I'm only a year in and it takes a really long time to build that rapport with others and to invite others to partner with you in ministry and to really, um, for lack of a better word, sell the ministry that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a, a time worthy investment. Um, and so being only a year in it's, I'm not making (laughs) much (laughs) to put it lately. And, um, that, that seems like such a wiser decision to be part-time in two places, but I just, God has not let me. And so, um, that leaves me with only one option. And that just leaves me with having to trust that that means he's providing. And then that's just the end of the story. I don't get to honestly bicker with him. I, I, I get to um, confess my struggles to him and I get to confess the the wrestling that I'm doing, um, but I, I don't get to bicker. I just have to say, okay. And so um, it has, it's difficult, um, but it's also deeply rewarding um, just because you know that this is something that, um, A, those that have partnered with me, I know they really deeply believe in me and the ministry that yeah. I do. Um, it, that is a connection that I has not been lost on me. Um, and that is those people who fund, um, help fund me are really people that, um, you know, are always willing to really actually do ministry with me. And they do see it in that manner. And I see it in that manner is that I, they help me do this ministry. They are the reason I'm able to. And so, um, I see it as this great partnership that I think is so valuable and and I'm not sure it has really been highlighted in the nature that it could because that type of ministry man we're talking about doing ministry for church instead of consumer that is a incredible way to minister to others in ways that you know some of my supporters don't live in the state they live in Indiana and they would never be able to minister to those of Hayes Kansas mm-hmm. and um, I get to minister to those on their behalf and that is a great type of ministry that I think is very yeah. under under um, sold, I guess, yeah. or underrepresented, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's that's it's been a unique part of it. And when I was trying to decide if I wanted to take this job, um, Garrett was just like, "I, you know, you're gonna have to fundraise." And I was like, "Okay, you know, I had fundraised um, several thousand dollars for the experience before," and I was like, Psh, "Like." I know how hard that was and like, you want me to do it like indefinitely. (laughs) And so, um, it was definitely the biggest roadblock 
for me in terms of taking the job. Um, I really wrestled hard with God about that. And I, I just talked and talked and talked to people about it. And every single time they were like, well, then just like, don't, if you like are really this difficult, like having this difficult of a time deciding, like maybe just wait until something's a better fit. And I knew in my gut that that was wrong and that I was like, really the only thing that was keeping me was the money. And if that's the only reason I'm not willing to serve God, then I'm serving the wrong God. Yeah. Um, and so there was a moment, not that you asked for this, but there was a moment where um, I was praying and I just kind of hit a breaking point of like, I'm tired of arguing with you like to God. And I was like, I'm kind of over uh, wrestling over money and I just am frustrated. And I had been thinking about taking the job for like a week and I was like, I'm just so still caught on it and I can't get over it. And I remember like basically playing Bible roulette disclaimer. And, um, (laughs) I like, I just was sitting there and I was like, I feel like there's, maybe I should just read and like, just be in God's word. And that Mm. was really, it was my heart behind it, but I just flipped open. And I remember I was like, whatever, I'll just read the gospels. Like, you know, this is urgent matters. (laughs) It's the safer of the best, right? Exactly. I'm like, I'm not going to flip to Leviticus. So, (laughs) (laughs) but although actually that would have been really good because there's some really good, uh, Bible verses about supporting those with funds in there. So if you're bored, um, (laughs) I can give them to you later because I've studied them. Righteousness of the Levites. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, so anyways, I, I flipped open and I remember reading about the start of Jesus's ministry and, it was just this like such deep peace that just like washed over me and I just started crying. And I just remember I've never really, um, I, I don't have many moments like this in my life. So that's not, um, to say I'm just like always experiencing this type of situation, but it was just one of those moments where like I felt this deep wash of peace and this overflow. And I just remember feeling like God was like, this is what you're doing right now. Like, mm-hmm. this is the start of your ministry and that's you. And I just remember being like, all right, so that's cool. I guess I don't, I don't need <laughs> to worry about the money then because that's, that's not the God I serve. So therefore I did it and, and it's been fruitful ever since. I can't, I can't deny that God's provided. So that's awesome. Now, you didn't agree to come on the podcast so that we would promote you, but (laughs) if people have been sitting here listening to this episode and are encouraged by your ministry and what you're doing with our our college-aged people and young adults and and some of the things you've talked about with your life groups and things like that, what, where can someone go to support you? So if you go to dealinghope.org and then there's a big donate button in the upper right-hand corner, you can click that and then it'll take you to the donate tab and you just would have to select my name um, in the little drop-down menu. Anika Okay. <laughs> and um, it'll it'll take you through through uh, we that can, way. We can so. link that yeah, in the show we'll notes We'll have it too. in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, Annika, just in summary, in, mm-hmm. in conclusion, a narrative that I've seen in your entire story is mm-hmm. surrender. And yeah. if this is too abstract, forgive me, but the Christian life is kind of just like surrendering things to God that were already his in the first place Absolutely, in, in my mind. And it's been really cool to hear your witness of how surrender has given you far more for f- fulfillment to the point mm-hmm. that you have surrendered your income. I mean, that's that's yeah. scary. That's saying yeah. not only is my money not my own, but my potential source of money 
is yeah. not my own. And, you know, what what a step in faith that can just be such an encouragement to the rest of the people around you. We want to thank you so much for coming on our podcast. And uh, yeah, just thank you. Yeah, thank of you. course. Thanks for having me. Thank you.